Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of the Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Remember that meaningful coincidences illuminate the invisible currents that connect and unify us. Please subscribe and like us by pushing the buttons below. It really helps us get the message out. Telling coincidence stories should include a title, that captures its essence and a conclusion that summarizes its meaning. Now I'm going to try to illustrate that with a with a story. The title of this one is "Seeking a Man and Finding Him in a Far Off Place." John Ironmonger is the author of a novel called "The Coincidence Authority." It's about a statistician confronting some strange coincidences, and as statisticians are wont to do, he thought it all could be explained by probability. John was researching for a new novel, a story that would touch on the collapse of civilization. He said, I was reading Collapse by Jared Diamond which explores the reasons why ancient civilizations fell, often very suddenly. And I mined the book for helpful facts and observations. I decided to write Jared Diamond to see if his research supported the central idea of my story. But how should I contact him? I didn't have his email address. And who writes letters anymore? I knew he was a professor at UCLA, so I tried various various email address combinations. You can guess the sort of thing, Jared Diamond, dot, blah, 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 UCLA, all those things, none of them worked. Oh, well, the next week I set off on a vacation with my wife, Sue, and we traveled from England to Indonesia in a small forest lodge in Sumatra, a long way from anywhere. We were almost the only guests except, not quite, two keen bird watchers were also there, and we shared a table for dinner with them. One of them <laughs> turned out to be Jared Diamond. It was his 75th birthday, and he was very kind about my ideas. So the, the kind of meaning for this, for, for John Ironmonger, was the, he found confirmation for what he sought. Now, these kinds of stories are not uncommon to imagine something and then wander around in weird ways and then it happens. And it's important to notice the weird part of this. You gotta be out of your regular circumstances for it to happen. And I think we'll hear that from our guest today. Laura, along with her husband, Paul Robert, are the directors of the Cayamonga Institute in Santa Fe, a New Mexico, a nonprofit anthropological research institute 
They teach, research, write, and present on the wisdom traditions of our indigenous ancestors. Access through decoding ancient artifacts of Paleolithic Europe and beyond. Laura hosted the Laura Lee Show on nationally syndicated terrestrial radio for a dozen years, and with Paul co-hosts a wide range of interviews from the arts and sciences as part of their research mission with Conversation for Exploration. I met Laura and Paul in one of their Sunday convocations, and we had a delightful time together. So welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you for having us, Bernie. Good to be here with you. It's good to see you again and uh, be able to talk with you about you <laughs> instead of it was more about what I was talking about. That was a lot of fun. One of my best interviews about synchronicity where I was able to really tell a lot of what I knew in that. And it was partly because we jammed so well in being able to do it. So please tell us a coincidence story, Laura. Well, I guess if I title this, I would say it was calling forth the key, but Paul and I were on a road trip and uh... <laughs> calling forth the key. That's a nice, that's a nice title. That's a nice title. I, I... I say that applies to our general work too, but we were on a road trip and we stopped in a rather empty um, parking lot, um, I don't know why, uh, on a holiday weekend. And somehow we managed to lock our keys in the car. And then we realized the spare key was in the luggage and the, in the trunk. And so we're mystified, luckily, cell phone, start calling around uh, key people. Yeah, hours, gonna be hours away. So uh, I had this flash that somebody, and I could just see it fleetingly, somebody was going to pull up to the passenger side where I had sat, and now I'm outside the car, and we're standing around, and luckily it was not bad weather, and um, so we're okay to stand around and kind of wonder what to do, but I had this flash. Somebody was going to pull up, and I was going to ask them, hey, do you think you could try your lock on my door? And I had this conviction that it, their key was going to unlock our door and we would be off and running. And so Paul and I have this pact where we support each other's crazy ideas, visions, inklings, intuition. We just support it. So he's, okay, darling, but the chances are, you realize the chances are very slim. I go, yeah, but I just know it. So it seemed important to welcome the agent of our rescue. So I leaned against the passenger side door and I'm staring at the space because it just lit up. I knew that the car would pull there that was gonna rescue us. And, um, couple, and I'm just visualizing it and, and nothing else to do. So the car pulls on this side and I go, okay, well, let's try, didn't work. The gentleman was agreeing, well, sure, sure lady, I'll try it, didn't work. Another car pulled up, didn't work. And Paul's going, the chances of the same car, the same make, the same model, and the same key, you realize that's infinitesimal. I said, yeah, but I know it's going to work, Paul. So a few minutes later, another call pulls up, a small little uh, compact car, which I knew it was going to be. And I, I saw that my role was going to be, oh, sir, do you, and as they were getting out and locking up their own car, would you mind just walking over here to the driver's side and just testing your keys? We've locked ourselves in. And the guy's shaking his head and looking very um, bemused. And it works. Click. Oh, doors open. I go, see, Paul? 
He goes, I always trust your intuition. And off we went. I think it was to my father's birthday, and so it was important that we got there on time. So that's my story. But I learned from that that follow the, no matter how absurd it may seem, if you have this inner voice telling you, this is what's going to happen, if you have the inkling of a vision, you have an opening to play your role and start to manifest it. Because that one would have been easy for me to dismiss and give up and just wait. This, it started with the need. Yeah. And one of the places you get coincidence happening is when there's a need. The emotions and, are heightened. Yeah. And the emotions are heightened. And you had this flash, you describe it at the beginning, a flash. Could you describe in more detail this flash? We say sight, but we really mean a lot of the senses that are involved. And for me, direct knowing is also a way of seeing. So I just had a conviction and I saw the space next to our car kind of light up like a feeling, like a quickening, like a sensing that something was going to happen, that there was action to take place there. I don't know. And in mind's eye, just quickly, I just knew. I just knew that somebody would show up. It was a small compact car. It was somebody with dark hair. And indeed it was a gentleman with another passenger. So that's all I knew. Well, you saw by the side of the car what was going to happen. Yeah, just like... A, f a flash and it, it, it in your mind's eye it was not exactly visual uh mm. it, this mind's eye thing is like really interesting uh it's hard to uh, describe yeah it i'm beginning to think it has something to do with the third eye sometimes uh mm. in between because uh, another guy that i just talked to yesterday was is putting them together somehow this mind's eye thing needs more explication because it seems to be that we can see without being visual yeah but it's kind of visual it's uh, multiple senses as you were trying to say it's kinesthetic it's emotional it's vibratory in some form yes. or another yeah and you saw this right next to your car before it happened yeah, and I felt that I had to stand there and actively help it come into being. So I stood there, and I'm, and I'm just visualizing the car come up and the key. This was, a, by the way, a different car, a different make, and a key that did not really truly fit our car, but somehow it worked. <laughs> so I also don't know. It was not like it was the same car because you, because I, I started to think about it. I said, okay, the manufacturers have what, so many key types? How many are there? How many, how many is that possible? What do they do for that? And uh, now we have a car where you can actually push a button and, and uh, the door will open for you. We uh, invested in that, but um, knowing the way that we are. But I, I just thought the odd, I don't care about the odds. I only care about the vision and I need to be here and welcome it. I need to anticipate it, welcome it, and usher it in. I have a role to play in here, and I'm going to play it. And another conclusion from this is you you got to do something. Yeah, I, I had a role. And you had to take it. You had to decide to do it. You had to believe enough to go for it. Yeah. Uh, 
And believe me, I've supported Paul's crazy visions too, that manifest. So we, I think that's important. The to dynamic, give yourself permission. Yeah. To, gi to give yourself permission to do something that seems like what? <laughs> <laughs> and the two of you, the dynamic duo, I will call you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Have this way of interacting with each other that's supportive of your craziness as might be called by regular reality. And as, right. as you well know, there are often couples in which one of them is a space case like you, thinking about crazy stuff relative to the normal way of thinking about stuff. And the other one says, ah, don't, uh, doesn't pay attention to it. But when you get two people who know to trust that it's not crazy, that it's really knowing something that is, and it's knowing it in, in this intuitive way, yeah. and be able to trust, you get to do an amazing thing together. You get to be able to experiment with your own intuitions and test stuff out that you mm -hmm. might not even have done it if Paul had, wasn't around or you weren't around for Paul. Yeah. You're, you're a laboratory because of this stuff. <laughs> and it's important not to give in to doubt or despair or the general thinking out there. Really, it's the most radical thing you can do is to follow your inner voice, I believe. It's where you are, it isn't anymore, it's what you do. But for the people in the transition between them, uh, they still have to learn which inner voices to hear. Some of them aren't exactly the ones that you are able to tune into very well. Some of them are like wrong or problematic or difficult, and you need them to be able to test them out to see which ones you should listen to. Could you talk more about how you honed your intuition? Um, well, I, I've had mystical experiences since childhood, and it was always a battle between this is what I know, this is what I'm told, I had what I called at the time angelic visitations. Um, I had no other words for it, but it was just that inner conviction, that solace that came from uh, another place that filled your chest up and protected you, and comforted you. I think we all have access to that. I think that um, when I was very young, my mother had to go to work, and my sister and I had a great babysitter family across the way we'd just go to and when we were toddlers. They went on vacation, and we were parked at a woman's house, a nice Christian woman, very nice lady, but she was a bit odd, and she locked us into the spare bedroom for the eight hours our mother ah, was away. Ah. And we, we had no contact, no books, no toys, no open window, nothing. And where my little sister went to sleep, and can you imagine a toddler sleeping all day and then sleeping uh, at night? And, you know, this went on for a week or so. Um, whereas I was out there escaping through my mind. I was out wandering. I found an inner doorway early on just to survive that abuse. We'd call it abuse today. My mother had no clue um, and just went wandering. So I think that we have these doorways within and various things can prompt us to find them. In our work today, we uh, use a very ancient tradition of 
safely, normally, naturally, easily, without any outside agents, that is no drugs, no plant medicine, to open that doorway at will, to dial it up on demand, and then to uh, expand, go to an alternate reality, wander the universe, engage with this intelligent, um, energetic universe that has much to teach us and share us, share with us. Beautiful. So it's there. You have it. I know you from your stories. You found this door. We all do some way or another. Some way or another. Uh, yeah. I can't. I, one door closed and another door opened. Yeah, because it's shuttling you down the path that your destiny I mean, <laughs> insists I've, that you take. Yeah. I've heard. I've heard that. That's said a lot, you know, it's the one door closes and a window opens and one door closes and another open. But this is such a concrete way of thinking about it. The babysitter locks you in and you walk out <laughs> and you walk out the other door. It's it's the clearest version of that <laughs> of that idea that uh, I've heard. How old were you? See, I think I was uh, five and my sister was three. I know it was before we went to school because we were babysat. And um, all she had was two little twin beds. My sister and I talk about this. We've told our mother. She goes, I have no idea. I said, actually, Mom, perhaps it was our destiny to, to because I, it made me find that doorway. We're talking with my mother about all this stuff. And um, the two little twin beds, uh, I, that was it. Lay on the bed, and I'd be up at the ceiling. I'd project myself well, what would it be like if I was walking upside down and walking on the ceiling and I could feel myself somersault out of my body? I was willing myself to have an out-of-body experience from sheer boredom. Yeah. Boredom as a driver. I, that's... Uh, yeah. That's... I think we are meant to be wanderers in, uh, in our life, one way or another. Our ancient ancestors knew this very, very well. Well, you yeah. get to the Aboriginal uh, walkabout uh, in Australia. Yeah. That's yeah. what they do. <laughs> That's the. How did you get from the door opening and wandering in uh, other planes to uh, where you are now? And tell us how what you do opens doors for other people. I, uh, my father uh, was a radio owner and operator before all the conglomerates came in and swooped everything up. And so I grew up in a radio family. And I was voicing um, spots for his staff uh, very early on. Uh, he would send us to go in in high school to go work summer jobs at his stations and learn the business. He wanted me to go into sales. He said, Laura, you could sell Eskimos snow. I go, yeah, but dad, there's more uh, in life. I have this mystical side of me. I have to go and find answers to life. And so, <laughs> um, and in my college years, uh, he always said, travel broadens the mind. I go, okay, dad, I'm signed up for a couple of overseas programs, you know, send me off. So I did an overseas program every year of college. And so that was also satisfied my wanderlust in art history and English literature. And, uh, but anyway, radio. So it was a natural uh, inclination for me to uh, go to his program director and pitch a show about things that nobody was talking about. And uh, this program director said, 
uh, yeah, we don't have a daytime drive time slot open for you and you have no experience. And I said, well, um, this is what I want to talk about. My first radio show interview was about the near-death experience because uh, there was the uh, near-death experience. They were the biggest chapter in Seattle, which is my hometown and where we were. And so I'm pitching him this idea. This was a program director that wanted to, that had just come back from England to search for the roots of King Arthur because he had British roots. And so I knew I had him. And uh, he had known me since I was like five years old, right? So there was a, a nepotism, right? But my, as my father said, you can open a door, I can open a door for you, you have to be the one to walk in and, and succeed um, and prove your worth. So I had this radio show and uh, one of my guests was Felicitas Goodman. I was asking the question, who are my indigenous ancestors? to the general audience after listening to many guests speak of the indigenous wisdom around the world with all these cultures that could trace their lineage back um, for millennia. We don't in the West. We really can't see very clearly who our indigenous ancestors were. And I was wanting to know, didn't we Westerners, uh, how they got cut off at the knees early on from the vagaries of history? Who were my ancestors? What were they doing? And somebody said, you should talk to this anthropologist Felicitas Goodman. She talks about psychological archaeology. So when we had this interview with her, I was so taken with what she had to say. Here is an ancient technique that even back in the Paleolithic, it looks like they were using this to use a ritual, the cues of which the body-brain-mind reads and shifts naturally and easily into this altered state. In the laboratory, we know that the solitary state is different from our ordinary state. Th beta brainwaves plus theta, the brainwaves of deep sleep dreaming. Uh, blood pressure rises, but pulse rate, blood pressure lowers, but pulse rate rises. Unusual. Usually they follow in tandem and physiologically uh, interesting. And a huge surge of the beta endorphins, those. Um, hormones of well-being and joy and, and happiness. Uh, that alone is worth the price of admission. But here, she said, we could enter into this eternal now, the hallmarks of which you're in oceanic unity with the oneness, with the universe, where the center is everywhere, the boundaries are nowhere. That state that I well knew because I had experienced that since childhood, when you slip out of your body and you go wandering, you can get into these states quite readily. And uh, they become more difficult as you grow and life takes on responsibilities and your time is constrained. And I thought to dial this up on demand, to get back into that state, oh yeah, sign me up. And, um, and it seems with the sages of the ages, this is what they're describing and that there's many, many techniques to get there. And this is something, I also love what she said, it's physiologically based. We don't need a single religion, a single belief system, a single practice. This is our normal state of being. And uh, we have just lost our way there. But you dial it back to our earliest ancestors and they were very uh, anchored in this way and in the way of this everyday reality. They lived in two worlds. And she described how an anthropologist, friends of hers, because she had these friends all over the world, would be talking to an Australian Aboriginal. 
and carrying on quite a normal conversation uh, with him. But also, uh, it was indicated that he was in touch remotely with other members of the tribe, with the trees, with the weather, with the, with the, the state of the world in this way, this alternate reality. And so, indeed, uh, when we look at this state, this physiological state that we can enter into, it can, the hallmarks can be tested in the lab. We've been invited to go back to the lab that's still in progress to see what are the other physiological parameters that support the state. But it's very much something that our body-brain mind knows and can enter into easily at will with the right prompts, the right conditions. You can also do it spontaneously, of course. And that the, um, the hallmarks of this is a visionary experience in which this trance state temporarily overtakes the visionary centers of the mind and feeds its own vision. You can hear things over the sound of the sonic driving that helps to drive this as part of the ritual. You can have the synesthetic experience of the cross-wiring of the senses. And there's a tremendous amount of direct knowing and energetics. If you've ever doubted your body has a uh, energy body component, this work, you are in your energy body. You are inhabiting your energy body. You feel tremendous energy go up and down um, and through. You start to see energy patterns out there in the universe. And you are just told, you just know, you enter into that state of being in the knowing. You know when you're in this altered state, you know how to navigate it. It's familiar in some ways. You uh, see without seeing, but you can also see very visually as well. It's a beautiful and enlivening state. The emotional component to me and the lessons that are imbibed are one of the keys. And you always come out feeling that sense of oneness, comfort, connection, I'm, I'm one with the, uh, with the universe, I'm comfortable in my own skin, that's one of the benefits. I got a little high listening to you. It's a high state to be in, yeah. Well, you conveyed it, uh, just uh, at least as I, and I hope some of our viewers and listeners will pick it too, but you, you are, I don't know what the right word is, passionate gets in the, gets in the direction, but you, you, you were able to, as you talked about it, kind of be there in that state and be able to try to report it while you're here. Uh, and I very much appreciate your being able to, to do that. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really a, a pretty amazing thing. Um, well, one thing that we've noticed that's interesting about bringing that back here is that you're opening your bandwidth. You're opening and tuning your neurology, your receptors, to be open now to that state, which Goodman would describe it as that alternate reality and this reality are two sides of the same coin. And the spirits, whatever it is, the intelligence that you're contacting there, need us just as much as we need them. And there's this deep-seated, long-standing covenant between the two realms in which these pathways are ritually opened. We come in, we exchange, and then we come back. But something of that state remains. We are more tuned into it. And synchronicities, coincidences, being in the groove, being in the knowing, increases in this reality in our everyday waking state that How we is have returned to. How are, are coincidences a dialect 
of the language of spirit? Well, I describe our trance states as a language of spirit in that um, it is through the ritual that we call to the spirits and say, great, magnificent universe, intelligent universe, you are the womb of creation. I am part of you. Um, I want to engage you on that level. That is basically what a ritual does. And then, uh, and then when we are there, when we are entering into this state, it's like a deep, deep daydream. And you know in a daydream, you can see almost a movie reel going off. You can know things. You can see parts of your life in the past, maybe the future. You can, uh, well, this is that plus more. We engage with, um, with spirits. They can be ancestors. They can be animal spirits. I mean, it is really pretty amazing when, you know, the, well, I'll tell you the beautiful state uh, in engagement of a friend of mine because this is so classic and it's very short. And this was one of her first trances with us because this is so natural, so much a part of our birthright that we can enter into this state for the first time you can have a peak experience. Um, and you can have every degree of experience, but peak experiences are available to you. And she said, I'm flying. We fly a lot in these visions, as you might have imagined, um, because that's a common uh, experience in our dreams, isn't it? But she says, I'm flying. I look around, I'm flying with a flock of geese. And they all turn to me and they welcome me as part of their flock. And then she said, I'm in a forest clearing and one wolf after another comes up and sits before me in a semicircle and they welcome me to the pack. And then I find myself in a cave, a small cave and it's well lit and a snake come coiling up around me. And at first I'm frightened, but I see it's a friendly snake. And then another and another, and they welcome me. And then I'm outside and I see the starry night sky glittering and it welcomes me. I have never felt so at home in the universe. And that is a complete experience. We're in this state for 15 minutes, which seems a very short time. But when you have a peak experience, it's timeless. Yeah, it's You're not, entering it's, into that flow state. It's timeless. Yeah. It's timeless. Yeah. It's, it's all now. And you get the experience that it's now, all, that all time is right now. And the, the sense of time, which is what we have had to use to be able to live on this planet. And we need time to break things up so that we can go from one thing to the other. What you the do eternal now. Yeah. You do um you do experiential um work on Zoom. We do. And uh, a lot of times coincidences happen among the participants in each session. Uh, <laughs> it does. Tell yeah. tell us some of those uh those coincidences among your participants. Oh wow. Every session that we do online, and by the way, it works beautifully on Zoom, uh, we have discovered, and probably because we're entering into that state where uh, time and space don't behave the way that it does when we're in our normal everyday waking state, right? We're already entered into that alternate state. And I also find this true for hands-on healers and uh, other people who are practicing at a distance healing work. It works. 
So obviously there's more to the bandwidth of reality than science is able to yet detect. But I believe that we are those instruments that can detect this. I believe that the web of life can all detect this, that they're all riding in this wave of the, uh, this energetic and intelligent universe that is so alive. And so it, it isn't, shouldn't be really surprising because if you ever want to have, and I, t I tell this to some physicists too, we talked to a lot of scientists in our discussion show of which you were a recent guest, and I say, if you ever want to really see Einstein's spooky effect at a distance in action, if you want to see quantum entanglement, just come to one of our experiential sessions and you will see that. And so what happens is we use the uh, art part of our work is that we are looking at ancient artifacts even going back 40,000 years, some of the oldest artifacts that we use are 30,000 years, 40,000 years old from Paleolithic Europe, these depictions of postures. And this is one, this is one, this is one, this is one. Uh, we recently did this beautiful, you know, Galgenberg one. Um, so there they are. And because they work, we say, well, here's some evidence that even our earliest ancestors were using the physicality, the body, to help as one ingredient to help to enter into these alternate states. And you know, Amy Cuddy has a book called Presence and this very famous TED Talk in which she's promoting what she calls power poses. Wonder Woman, standing like this, feet apart. She says, stand like this, and your body chemistry will start to up your level of testosterone and therefore confidence. And she says, women, when you want to go ask your boss for a raise or have some confrontation in the office, go stand like this in the ladies' room for five minutes and power up, right? This is an artifact that we see throughout the ancient world uh, depicted with shamanic symbols, meaning uh, spiritual practices, because they have symbols on the artifacts, so we find that wisely. So my point is, our ancient ancestors knew all about this, about all about using the body, because this is embodied spirituality, to engage as the fine-tuned instrument and piece of technology that we are, to open our bandwidth and engage with that intelligent sphere. And, and, and so. I, 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 I'm glad you described that. Um, very important. I, I like that that standing there thing. Uh, yeah, have <laughs> our mothers all done this? Kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. They know instinctively. Power yeah. up. Yeah. And even this, the confirmation to the vision to the person seeing it, it conveys power. So it's not just within. It comes. It has the body language. The body yeah. language out there. Well, what I was trying to see was you get a bunch of coincidences happening sometimes in a Zoom. group setting. Yeah. yeah. And what what's the nature of those coincidences in the group setting? Gosh. You know, every we use about a hundred different postures, uh, not from Europe only, but from all over the world, all with indigenous cultures. They've all memorialized these artifacts. And how they were used, we, we don't really know. They're dead societies, right? They're gone. But they've left these records that we can decode as ritual instructions. And so when we use them, we're all meeting scattered around the world, and we're meeting uh, in a live session. We've done the ritual. Paul and I have led the ritual for the whole entire group. We encourage people to follow in. You're just 
you know, looking at the four directions, up or lower, you're making a reciprocal a little bit of an offering, you're really calling forth this. And standing with your eyes closed in a posture, say it's this one, and uh, activating uh, by a rattle, which I could demonstrate for you, um, but there's a sonic driving component to this. And then we all have our separate visions, right? We go into the vision for the 15 minutes, we come out, we journal. Very important, and another respectful step is to journal this, right? Because it is fleeting. It is, it, if you don't really uh, write it down, it can be as fleeting as a dream. And so we write this down, and then we go around the circle and we share. We don't comment, we have not shown the posture we have not shown the culture. We've shown the posture, we haven't shown the artifact. Sorry, we've shown the posture by Paul demonstrating it in a photograph of him standing in it through the Zoom. But we haven't shown you the artifact itself because often it has clues. And so there is one in particular which has a, a bird atop a headdress on the artifact. And that common experience is flying. And so... Um, Tony, who you know, uh, an astrophysicist, uh, when he was expressing interest into this work, he was dropping off a friend at our institute one day and uh, was curious about what we do. So I invited him in, and uh, I knew, being an astrophysicist, that he had probably was enamored of, of the cosmic um, celestial bodies in the cosmos. So this was the um, posture that I wanted him to do. So I let the group, and I chose this posture, and sure enough, he comes out of it. Hadn't seen the artifact with the bird, but he comes out of it and he goes, I was flying. I was flying, and I had not flown like that since I was a little boy flying in my dreams, and that's why I became an astronomer. So that love. So we can predict the type of experiences through um, 50 years of this institute using these various uh, postures, and sometimes the clues that are given in the artifact itself. But we also see with every session that we do that certain things will come up, certain themes will come up. It's quite extraordinary, and some exact shared experiences. So for example, they can be one-on-one. -on -one. We have a, also a group that we do uh, on a certain day, Mondays, second and fourth Mondays, with Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore. Um, because our late afternoons at 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. in the States, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern in the States, is their uh, next day morning, Tuesday morning. So that's a good time for us to also do a session for them. So our good friend uh, Shelly, who's an instructor uh, there in Sydney, she describes a goddess standing behind her and putting her hands around her head like this. I had the exact same experience. And we also draw sketches of our experiences as well sometimes because it's hard to put them into words, right? We go into these states and we always say, park your intellect off to the side, park your doubting mind off to the side. There's another part of you that engages in this language of spirit with the spirits and you're speaking that language and it's something beyond often words alone. Even though we can get messages and and often uh, with that, but just flow with that. So here I had felt this goddess stand behind me and deliver me a blessing by putting her hands over my forehead like this. And I drew it, Shelley drew it. We hold our pictures up to one another. And there, um, the, this piece 
not the entire experience, but this piece of it. And uh, other people also, it was a very much a goddess. We were using a goddess artifact and a lot of goddess experiences of feminine that's, wisdom, that's, feminine That's divine. the sort of thing I would ex expect in a group where you begin to have a group mind experiencing yeah. some parallel and overlapping uh, experiences. And here you're describing that one, which is what I was expecting. And with Tony, it was like, uh, that's how he got into being an astrophysicist by having flying. That was a ideas. different session, different posture. Yeah. And that the, 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 the minds of the people involved have to begin to make some kind of mind melt. They, mu they must yeah. me melt together because they're having a shared experience from their own uh, backgrounds but there's something that's gonna overlap. And that's what I would expect in a group like this. And at least the, the goddess one that you just described is one example of that. But there's gotta be a lot of them. We don't have to talk about them right now, but you're creating a group mind. And what I'm, what I'm also very interested in here hearing is that, that words have so much limitation. Thank words you. are so yeah. limiting and that what we're, getting towards, uh, I hope, is some modicum um, beginning of telepathic communication with each other, which is what your group is able to do sometimes, at least by having shared experiences, but it suggests you're feeding off the same kinds of ideas. And so there can be ways in which people can connect with each other without having to do too much talking. I think it's those people like twins who can say very little and they know what the other one's thinking about. I, I'd like to be able to see us do that within the constraints of doing it uh, in an ethical way, because there can be problems with a lot of this technology that we're developing in all kinds of ways. And you, what... <laughs> You suggest that spirit language is an inner technology, one that coincidentally we are trying to recreate as a modern mechanical technology with the metaverse and virtual reality. Tell us about what you mean by that. Okay. Well, I want to add just one quick note to the experience. Men can do a goddess posture. They don't know. You don't know it's a goddess posture going in. I know because I know what the artifact is, but we don't give those kinds of clues. And so men also have this. Sometimes it's I made love with the goddess. I made love with Mother Earth. It can be something, you know, very, um, uh, very beautiful. Uh, I, I, the other, for, the other men last week, this. I was like uh, having a, a loving relationship with a cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the sort of thing that you're yeah. opening people up to. It was my first time with the cloud. It was really fun. Uh, yeah. And the cloud was very entertaining, doing a lot of different uh, uh, conformations and shapes, all in this one little space. They're like putting on a little show. As I <laughs> yes, it, it, yeah, it was Spirit really inhabits everything. Yeah. And you can, and if you look, and if you allow it, and if you tune into it, you can connect with have it. A dialogue. And have a dialogue with it and that's what yeah. that's what any of these this was a bit erotic this thing and it was like it you can, can be yeah you can, you can have those experiences if you can open yourself up to them and believe i think that the life force coming in though i mean the life force coming in is that bliss and that ecstasy we call this work ecstatic trance postures ecstatic trance ritual body postures because 
tap into that life force and its huge energy uh, waves and, and download. And along with that is information. And part of that is just the lessons of the universe. We have a lot of goddess postures that are life, death, and rebirth, um, which the goddess mythically is all about and with legends, but we experience that um, in so many ways. So it's, in, for me, the coincidence is not just person to person, but it seems to be the lessons come in from this eternal now, from the spirits. However you want to define spirits, there's no belief system here, there's no dogma. People, we have scientists who are involved in this work and they say, hey, I think it's just happening all between my, my mind and or my mind is more miraculous than we know. I go, yes, it is. And uh, people say, this is the universe talking to me. And I'm like, yes, it is. I, I believe all of that. Um, and, and our experience teaches us that. But when this experience comes, it's as though spirit is giving a lesson, a gift to each of us in the group. And each of us get a slice of the pie. And then when we put it together, we can see it as a whole. It's very and good. So, that, that is very good. Yeah. It's like, it's, these coincidences are clues to, the, to how we are connected, the, the threads and currents that connect us. And you just said that with we all share something it looks like it's yeah. between us but it really is from someplace else that is giving a higher it to both. source it's a higher source and that's that's yeah. a very important way of thinking about uh coincidences that uh i think we need to expand but i i still would like you to get to the metaverse um <laughs> because well because yes, I will. The, and i will tell you why because You've described your, uh, what you're doing pretty ver very well. And uh, now we have to apply not just being able to do it, but to our what bodies on earth here are being threatened by our own behavior as we destroy this habitat that's been so beautifully provided for us by, by Gaia, by Mother Earth. So we have to do something. Uh, differently. We have to use some of this, but let's, I want to, I, I'm saying both those things to you and I want, but I, I really want to hear what you say about the metaverse and what you're doing. Well, what the coincidence that I noted was we tend to create the technology that we have within. So we are creating, in my opinion, the metaverse, the virtual reality, the way to see in a visionary state, artificially, mechanically, because perhaps we have lost our way as a society to do this naturally, because we have an inner screen in our mind, and we have a way to interact and to travel and to experience and to understand our world better in this alternate reality but at, and, and that's something that I don't believe evolutionary biology or the universe, however you want to dis define it, describe it, gives us gifts if they're not meant to be used. And so if we hold this inner technology within these doorways to go here, to go there, quite naturally, under our own steam, generated by our own bodies, biochemistry, minds, the shift that we can support, that we have traversed since time immemorial. And if we have lost our way through, again, the vagaries of history, and Goodman had a good description as to why we lost this, how it was threatening to the stratification of society, and how priests 
would then say, hey, you can only get to that through me, and I'm the only one who can go there, when it used to be everyone in the tribe naturally could have that skill. We've lost our way, and it seems to me that, that creating a virtual reality where you can put on this technology externally and then see this whole other reality and engage it is a substitution for what we actually can do within on our own. So what, what you can learn to do in the metaverse gives you practice for doing it in regular reality. I, I don't know that I want to go there and experience it. I mean, I'm curious. I mean, but, not you. You don't need yeah. to. <clears throat> but one of the potential functions, because what, yeah. you, what you said earlier, just a little while ago, is that we create technology, technology. that are, I'm saying, represent our yeah. inner potential. We, we yeah. like uh, webcams are like uh, telepathy uh, that we can, they, they. Oh, yeah. See they, remotely. See mm -hmm. remotely. Mm -hmm. or clairvoyance see remotely or even just like uh telephones uh like uh telepathy is the the, the, the well, may i say telescopes as well so our next um sunday conversation tony hull is going to come back and tell us about the james webb space telescope that's just launched about telescopes that are UV and infrared and uh, based on gravity waves, based on long waves, based on so much of the capture to open up the bandwidth, right? So we can see beyond. Or we invent microscopes where we can see down into the finer uh, range that we can't see with our physical eyes. Or that we are colliding atoms to try to see inside what an atom does. We are inventing technology to expand our bandwidth. I, my point is that we also, those are beautiful inventions and bringing us so much more information about our universe and our role in it. But we also have this inner technology, which in fact, when you are entering into these trance states, and there's many trance states to enter into, right? I just represent one narrow band, but there's so many in the spectrum. There's so many practices out there that <clears throat> we have, are inventing anew and that we have historically to open the bandwidth and see wider, broader, deeper, um, and, and different elements of the universe. The danger so, is relying on the technology only as a way of expanding your bandwidth. You've got to be able, and you're not going to do this, but I am part of doing this with somebody else, of trying to be able to use the technology of the metaverse to expand the potential of being part of this other reality, this physical reality, this other reality that we are part of, so that they become microscopes or telescopes that expand the bandwidth here so that we can see what our inner potential is. And it's so easy to get lost in the technology and, and ignore what you are finding is that you can do it on your own. You don't need to have the technology. The technology becomes a mirror of your potential. You know, I'm really happy to live in this day and age because there's so much available to us. I mean, we have our challenges, but we can know so much. And it's very comfortable with all our modern conveniences. And we've, um, you know, it's exciting to understand the past, the present, and start to build the future. I agree that we've made a mess of things. And I do agree that 
a lot of the lessons that this universe has to deliver to us is the wisdom of the ancients. It are those eternal uh, wisdoms. We are all connected. We are all one. It's one web of life. The universe is sacred. We, our bodies are temples. Use them wisely. Um, those, are, all of those are essential principles. How are we going to help stop the human addiction to taking and taking from Mother Earth that we think we're masters? No, we are guests on this planet. Well, we say that we are ecstasy deprived. Ecstasy being ex stasis from the Greek, stepping outside ex, our normal state of being, the stasis. We need to step outside our ordinary reality on a regular basis to see the larger reality. And by limiting ourselves to just this reality, just this linear rational thinking, where our early societies and indigenous societies have a much broader bandwidth of understanding. We leave a gaping hole within. I, and there I, are therapists I, I agree who use that. this I, work to say to addicted uh, clients, whatever your addiction is, you're probably doing it to fill some missing piece of you, right? So the shopping or the gambling or the food or the whatever your behavior is about addiction it's really trying to fill up something and i've talked to a therapist who uses this work um, and there's many techniques of course to try to fill that from an emotional centered spiritual point of view right but she says if you can fill that hole then you are less uh vulnerable to these addictive behaviors. You have no need for them anymore. So I think as a society, the key is to really go back to being human, to go back to the arts and the, the human kindness and community and ritual and gatherings. We have that in our life, but it's not central to living our life. How, right? do, we get, how do we get there, Laura? Well, my, my personal method has been plug in in any way that you can to this larger domain in this universe. And I just happened, I think there's a smorgasbord, a marketplace of ideas and techniques. Oh, yeah. You have found one. You've described yours. We find them naturally. And we find them through religion or spiritual practices, whatever it is. But we well, need some way to get back there. Part of the problem is related to... A question I like to ask, how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah, I don't know. I've never been in therapy, but I the really applaud the, the whole self-help movement today. The, the answer yeah. to that is one psychiatrist because the light bulb has to want to change. It has to be you. And yeah. here we have lots of people who have no idea uh, what they're doing. They're addicted to taking and not recognizing there's a problem with it. They don't recognize their problem. They don't want to change, don't need to change, want things to be the same way they've been. Yeah. How do we get them to notice that there's something they need to do differently, like the many different ways it's possible to expand your bandwidth, including your excellent work, how do we get them tuned to the possibility that they need like an addicted person to do something different? I think each of us have a role to play in this world. I agree. And mine happens to be talking and conversation 
and I'm trying to, Paul and I are trying to move the dial through dialogue. And so this is why we do the conversations we do. This is why you do the conversations you do, is to do our small part, right? Each of us have a, has a drop to bring to the ocean. I can only do what I can do, right? And, so, and I'm of the opinion that each of us with a part of it yeah. must somehow band together uh, with the intention of saying there's a whole rainbow of possibilities of becoming more spiritually elevated. And we need to do it. How do we get them to do it? Because the rationality here fights so much against even simple ideas like synchronicity. Uh, yeah. The serendipity people don't like synchronicity, for example. The, it's too really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Ser serendipity is a European thing. Uh, and the synchronicity people are more American. It's not quite that way anymore, but it, it's, I, I am trying to bring them together under the term meaningful coincidences mm -hmm. because they're both meaningful coincidences, but it's not easy that there, there are these, what we call human beings who have their psychological conflicts that are, per, some of them are uh, historically based. Uh, it didn't start with me. The problems didn't start with me. We have, with my, in my life, uh, they, they ha I've looked back and see a generation of, generations of them influencing me in the way I am now. And that's true of so many of us. We have so many difficulties just being able to get along with each other. I think that you find, I find, that when the coincidences happen, it's like the universe is knocking on your door. Pay attention. Look here. Here's an opening. Here's something meaningful. Engage. Right? And that's why I start with coincidences. That's, yeah. that's because they are pretty much everyday occurrences. And yeah. so the, it, I, I like this, the door thing, your door closed and door open coincidences as you are saying meaningful coincidences are doors to something broader to your work to other people's ways of suggesting yeah. how to do it whatever fits you but they the meaningful coincidences tend to be a way to open that first door so that somebody will walk into them so that's why i am on this coincidence thing because i recognize the multiplicity of ways in which people can expand their minds as you very well know and you have a wonderful description of how you help people do it how do we get people to you if that what fits for them how do we get people to other modalities now, psychedelics are getting out there in a controlled way is a, a one way to do it, but you don't yeah. need them. There are other ways, many other ways. Of well, you have doing the pharmacopoeia within to generate. And I'm sure that if we went back to the lab, we would find the MDMA and the this and the that and da, da, da. Um, I'm sure it's all there. It must be. Oh, yeah. it is. It, but the body can produce all this at will. It's a pharmacy, yeah. and it's a pharmacy in there. Yeah. It's a pharmacy in there. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's there. really about handing the keys to be self-empowered. I like the fact that this is a dial-up on demand. That we are in a vehicle. Call it an Earth suit. It's a vehicle to navigate this reality, and we can navigate that reality by finding the keys to open the door. And I'm thinking that the metaverse can become 
of a way of imagining that other yes. the reality. That's what I'm trying to suggest here. That's what I'm getting better even from you is if we were to create a metaverse that's a, a metaphor for what you have just described today, that yeah. will give people a clue of for if they go into it, they can experience what you experience because one of the intense of the guy I'm working with is to be able to recognize that you can help somebody else experience what you're experiencing by putting them in the metaverse. Well, you know, there's um, we've been invited to go do a, a museum exhibit and one of the pieces about this work and one of the pieces that we want to do is the film that would show in a lyrical fashion and artistic fashion, not crisp reality, but more of a visionary style, what a typical uh, experience is. Uh, a lot of it is flying. And, and you you notice that you're flying and you're seeing clouds, you're seeing landscapes, and maybe there's a bird. You become the bird. You start seeing out the eyes of the bird. You're merging with these spirit animals, these spirit beings. It's really beautiful. And, that, and so I, yeah, um, I, I think that art is such a delivery method, symbol and iconography and gesture and soundscape. And this is what our museum exhibit is going to showcase, how the ancients use this. But I think that maybe this, what you're describing, is another way to circle around to the same space. It is. That when you start seeing this and you start hearing it, even if it's mechanically delivered, you are probably going to, I bet you, enter into that same state, this that same state. And then once it's clicked in, you're off and running. And, and so this is an exciting method. It depends on what you're putting in front of your eyes, mind you, I would, I would assume. But um, yes, it, it, the virtual activated. reality, many ways of activating this and the virtual reality is immersive. So you yeah. are your avatar that with mm -hmm. which you identify is flying. It's not just watching it and you identify it from out here. Yeah. Your avatar is and then somehow that becomes what you can do outside of the virtual reality. Very close to being in this alternate state because you are awake. We've had a neurologist describe this, Gert Meyer, who uh, ran a dream uh, disorder lab in Germany, very interested in dreaming, spent a week with us doing this work in Santa Fe. And I said, Gert, how do you describe what you've just been through? He goes, well, I don't know how the ancients did this or how the ritual works, but I happen to believe that when you're in this state, all of your waking centers are turned on. You know that you're standing there, you're standing in a posture, you're knowing there's a rattle or a drum with a very fast monotone beat. Um, you know where you are. But at the same time, some but not all the dreaming centers of the mind have also woken up and are activated. And so the two are able to talk to each other where in our normal waking reality, they're not. You're either awake or you're asleep. But you, it's hard to be both at once. So we call this a waking dream. Oh, yeah. And so when you're in this state, you are of two minds. You have one foot in this world and one foot in that world. And you are seeing a vision You inwardly. You are seeing and experiencing. Maybe you're hearing tones over the rattle. You can, people sometimes smell things. You're feeling magnetic pull down into the earth. You are feeling expansion as big as the earth. You're feeling like you can travel through water. People go, I didn't know I could breathe 
traveling through water. Like, yeah, the rules are different there. You're flying, you're, you're um, just beautiful things can happen. But it's exactly as you're describing. You have an avatar. We don't use the term avatar. We use the term energy body. You're inhabiting your energy oh, body. Oh, yeah, it, it is an energy. It, be, it is an energy body. In, and I, I have yeah. trouble trying to describe virtual versus real reality. Yeah. It's an energy body in the real reality that's out there. Uh, yeah. It's an avatar within the virtual reality. But what you've helped me do so clearly as I talk to um, G, who I'm interviewing next week. Oh, about, I want to listen to that one. Yeah. It, about, we just had a, three hours of conversation yesterday. And it's like, what? how can we put coincidences together with what he's doing and in the virtual, in the metaverse? And you've just given me the, clearest idea of what I can do to help make the transformation happen so that people can walk into a virtual reality mm -hmm. and experience what you have been describing all today experience in their as another delivery system to get the mind body brain into that state that's to, interesting to, to see the potential of being in that state of the mind body brain being in that state to see the potential. Oh, I'm thinking maybe it can induce it. I think maybe it can induce it too. And what I want to not have happen is that they only rely on the metaverse to it be in that state. That's why I'm making that distinction that I yeah. want their this body brain to be experiencing it, not just the avatar. The avatar is a leader to get there, but mm -hmm. it's only so that this one can then partially right. experience you really it have to engage the inner technology it has to flip on yeah in here it helps mm -hmm. to flip on the inner mm -hmm. technology that's that's mm -hmm. that's maybe great we could talk to g maybe maybe whatever you're producing for this metaverse maybe that would be the piece that we could showcase in our uh, museum exhibit which won't happen till 2024 so uh, we're in the planning stages now and we're Maybe very... that would be a beautiful way because this museum wants science and technology. They want ancient and uh, modern. We, we're really we... trying to show how this ancient technology, this ancient practice, is so relevant for today. So relevant. It's, it's, it's not, not just because relevant. It's universal. It's we a, still have the same anatomy as our ancient essential. ancestors. It's essential. It's not just it's, relevant. It's essential. Oh, I like that. Thank it's you. Essential. Yeah, we've I got. Imagine. We are facing the sixth major extinction, and we've yeah. got to get back to where we were born, so that we can create uh, a kind of heaven on earth in this place, a playground uh, for what we've got here. It's really a beautiful space to be. So, I, I, we're going to end with this one because I'm really excited to come up with what we just came up with. And I'm going to tell G and uh, and we he, he's just early on in this and the content of it is like yet to be clarified. We would love to consult with you on the types of things that we experience and what might want you might exactly want to what I'm interested represent in exactly. and invite you both to our experiential sessions so you can see it with your own inner eyes. Exactly. Exactly yeah. what I have in mind, because you have a beautiful yeah. description of the thing uh, of being out there. So. He's very early in this. Funding is a major problem, uh, mm -hmm. but planning is a problem. You know, funding is always a problem and trying to get stuff going. But having the idea is more important. You got to know where you want to go in order to get there. It really helps. Visioneer it is the first step. Yes. Yeah. So you have helped me see what I, what, 
my answering my question about, hey, you want to get high? Go look at this uh, this virtual reality thing and then experience it and then say, it's also here outside of that virtual reality. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much, Laura. Thank, Thank you, Bernie, and congratulations on all the wonderful work you are doing to move the dial through dialogue and tracking. I, I have to compliment you. It was a joy to interview you and find out the subtleties and the nuances and the hallmarks of coincidence and the study that you've made of it. Just um, breakthrough ground, groundbreaking research. Thank and, you. Thank you, and I've tried to put a lot of it down in my new book coming out in the fall mm. called, called Meaningful Coincidences. Oh, good title. Because they are. They are so meaningful. And yeah. they are. Thank you for the compliment. And they are They are the doorway to what you're a doorway to the yeah. common door, not near-death yeah. experiences or psychedelics or anything else. They are the yeah. doorway to new ideas. Well, pay attention because the universe is talking with us all the time. Got to pay attention and coincidence yeah. is, their way of the, is their first whisper. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. All right. This psychosphere is our mental atmosphere, like a hologram of cosmic consciousness.